water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Krista, who read the intro. This is episode 17 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing the waterbending master. All right. So previously on Avatar, we saw that both Aang and Katara want to learn waterbending at the North Pole. Um, in the previous episode in The Deserter, we saw that Katara has discovered that she has healing powers. And we also know that both Zuko and Zhao are both desperately searching for the Avatar. Indeed. So the first scene is Team Avatar flying. And Sokka says, I'm not one to complain, but can Appa fly any higher? Because they're skimming like really close to the surface of the water. And Aang says, I have an idea. Why don't we all get on your back and you can fly us to the North Pole? And I was thinking, okay, finally, somebody is like taking a stand for Appa and, you know, (laughs) Angus putting Sokka in his place because Appa is the most underappreciated character. And then Katara tries to smooth it over between the two of them and says, we're all just a little tired and cranky because we've been flying for two days straight. And then Sokka says, and for what? We can't even find the Northern Water Tribe. And when he says this, Momo had like jumped over to Sokka when Sokka was being yelled at and mm-hmm. Sokka's holding Momo when he says this. And I just thought it was really cute because, you know, obviously Sokka and Momo are the best bromance of the entire show. Yeah. Wait, also on that point, when um, when Aang is like, oh, why don't we all get on your back? Like Momo actually jumps on Sokka's back. <laughs> it's just very cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they get together um but anyways it was it was really cute and then a bunch of icebergs shoot out from under the water and appa gets frozen in place yeah and then it's super epic all of these waterbenders come out of the icebergs out of the shadows and these like really pristine boats um and triumphantly come out and it already sets up the dichotomy between the northern water tribe and the southern water tribe like southern water tribe is so dinky and uh, igloos that were falling over and as we'll see the northern water tribe is really majestic yeah i do want to make a call out here the boats are technologically a lot more advanced than whatever Sokka was <laughs> rowing the first uh the first episode they're hydrofoil boats so they have like two little mm. things going in the water that like lifts the whole boat up which is really cool So the next scene is Zhao planning with the other Fire Nation people how to follow the Avatar to the Northern Water Tribe um, because he says that the Avatar is going there to master waterbending. Yeah, I just want to make a quick call out on the contrasting colors between the previous scene and this scene. I know we've talked about this a lot, but it's especially stark now like in the Water Tribe because the icebergs are super white and the blue of the ocean and then immediately switches to the red and gray of the Fire Nation and yeah, it sets up that contrast really nicely. 
Yeah. And then Captain Lee, who's just this random person, says, then let's go get him. And then Zhao says to have patience because this isn't just some little Earth Kingdom village they can march into, but a great civilization and says there's a reason why they've survived the 100 years war. Yeah. So I thought this was an interesting comment from Zhao because I think he clearly respects um, the Northern Water Tribe in terms of the resilience and strength they have shown. And yeah, it reminds me that like, I feel like most great commanders like do have that respect for the other side. So they know how hard it is to actually beat them. Yeah, I'm gonna make another call out here. I think this is highlighting perfectly how capable Zhao is and how much patience he actually does have. And reinforcing why I thought he was so out of character in The Deserter. Yeah, that's good. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. And then Zhao continues, the frozen tundra is treacherous. The landscape itself is an icy fortress. We'll need a massive invasion force. And so the nerd in me made quickly made a comparison to World War II when Hitler's army tried to invade Russia, Russia being literally a frozen tundra that is treacherous and they couldn't do it. History shows us that uh, invading a frozen tundra is never a great idea. Yep, and it's going to fail again. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Yay for frozen tundras. Anyways, so the next scene is back to the Water Tribe, and we see Team Avatar going towards the Northern Water Tribe city, and we see this gate or this wall, and it's really beautiful, and Katara's eyes are just sparkling, and she's so, so excited to finally get to learn waterbending and be amongst the best um, waterbenders in this great civilization. And then the waterbenders lower the gate and they slide in through a series of locks um, that are all powered by waterbenders. So a fun fact about the city, uh, the city is actually called Agna Kela, which is probably not how you, it's pronounced, but this uh, it's from the Shadow of Kyoshi, which is a, off com, uh, an offshoot extension of the Avatar universe. I think it's a book. And it used to be an open port city until the wall was built to keep the Fire Nation out. So it's actually a new addition since the Hundred Years' War. Mm. And this also contributed to the Northern Water Tribe losing touch with the Southern Water Tribe once they just shut themselves in. Um, and nobody could really get in and nobody really left. So that's why it is the way it is. They literally built the wall. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean... Yeah, but yeah. It, it didn't work in the end, so... Yeah, was, what a waste. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I had some thoughts here. The first thing it kind of reminded me of, at least now in 2020, was the wall in Game of Thrones keeping out the White Walkers, except I guess it's kind of rules reversed here. It's supposed to keep them in and safe and keep out the firebenders. Uh, but also, historically, at least for a good period of history... Walls were very effective at keeping people out, and the only way you could really take a city is by sieging it or by taking down its walls. Mm -hmm. um, so I think mm -hmm. it's really cool that the Northern Water Tribe employs walls, and we'll quickly see how technologically advanced the Fire Nation has become. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so then Aang says, we'll find a master no problem because there are just so many waterbenders. And they're riding on Appa, just floating through the rivers throughout the city. 
Yeah, some other very visual call-outs here. It's a very, very pristine and pretty city. Mm-hmm. Lining the waterways, it seems very inspired by Venice. But mm-hmm. lining the streets, there are these totems, which are a call-out to the inspiration of different uh, Native American tribes for the different water tribes, which I thought was really cool. Mm. Nice. Yeah, it is just stunning. Um, it It's just breathtaking, and it totally makes the whole season-long build-up to getting to the Northern Water Tribe worth it um, and very satisfying. Anyways, so as Team Avatar is cruising through the city everyone is just standing on their balconies standing on the bridges and looking at them and Aang and Katara and Sokka are all waving and uh, Katara and Sokka especially look so wowed it just I just really want to visit this place it just makes it seem just like paradise also makes sense that Katara and Sokka are beyond have their minds blown because they have only ever known the southern water tribe which is just a nothing <laughs> in comparison, sadly. Yeah, so then a little gondola passes by Appa and Sokka sees Yue and blushes really hard and it's love at first sight. Yeah, so some fun facts about Princess Yue. Phonetically, Yue, Y-U-E, means moon in Chinese. So I guess the Englification of that is Yue. She seems to map really closely to this ancient Chinese goddess called Chang'e who... For there are many different versions of this, but basically it comes down to she had a lover and there was uh, one or two vials of immortality, but more or less she ends up on the moon and Princess Yue ends up on the moon. She's often cited as the start of the autumn moon festival, which is really cool. So that's the reason we eat mooncakes. Yeah. Yeah. And more similarities. Yue does become immortal because she just shows up pretty frequently throughout the rest of the show kind of uh, comes to <laughs> has come to Aang in visions has come to Sokka in memories and maybe visions it's cool that there's some inspiration from that legend here yeah so Katara says this place is beautiful and Sokka says yeah she is and Sokka is forgetting about Suki already. I guess it has been a long time. Suki was pretty early season one. And there was really no telling when they were going to see each other again. So fine. Yeah, he's moved on. I'll, I'll let it go. <laughs> um, yeah, so the next scene is music night, finally, on Zuko's ship. So Lieutenant G is playing the Pippa, which is this pear-shaped guitar-like instrument and Iroh is singing and there are other these two other crewmates are just waltzing around um which is really cute and funny yeah it's very endearing and this is the first time we hear the banger winter spring summer and fall Um, (laughs) and i just want to make the call out that the second to last piece of music we hear in the entire show is actually the song where he's playing the sungi horn in the little tea shop Oh, that's neat. Yeah, it is a banger. I wonder if somebody's made a trap remix of it on YouTube or something or on SoundCloud because I feel like that must be a thing. And a fun fact is that the song Four Seasons was written by Mike DiMartino. What a poet. (laughs) Yeah, so then the mood is killed immediately by Zhao coming onto the ship. And when he arrives, there's just, just... 
horrible sound that comes from the Pippa. And I thought that was kind of a funny touch as well. Yeah, so the next scene is back to the Northern Water Tribe and it's evening and Team Avatar is being welcomed with this lavish feast. So I know in in a previous episode, I said that they were having platypus bear, but when I was doing research for this episode, nothing really said that the feast consisted of platypus bear. But they're presenting something really big on uh, in the first shot when they're bringing in this like, I don't know, square shaped tarp thing with the food on top. So I guess that's probably it. Could not confirm it this time. So then a bunch of people bring Appa some food and he growls at them and they run away screaming and he just starts to eat up all the food, uh, which is pretty funny. And Sokka can be seen in the top left corner of that shot and he smiles when he sees Appa scare off all those servants. Uh, So I thought that was pretty funny. And the leader of the Northern Water Tribe, Chief Arnuk, welcomes them and says, uh, we welcome our brother and sister from the Southern Tribe and the Avatar. And he also says, we celebrate my daughter's 16th birthday. Princess Yue is now of marrying age. And Sokka is just shocked that the girl that he was into is the princess. Um, And then Master Paku and his students start performing and Guitar and Aang are completely just very impressed by all this display of water bending. Yeah, I thought it was cool that the art form of bending is shown here as a art form and not as as it's usually seen as um, a means of fighting and the fact that they that it's used as a form of entertainment I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, although it did show up also in the dessert episode with the fire dragon. Oh yeah, that's right. Another fun fact is that Paku is the waterbender that we see in the intro. So he's the very first person to ever bend in this show. Wow. Good job, Paku. (laughs) Anyway, Sokka is stuffing his face but stops when Yue appears next to him and he tries to be super cool. Um, And Sokka is like, hi there, Sokka, Southern Water Tribe. And Yue is like, very nice to meet you. And she like looks up towards the sky after she says that and it's just incredibly awkward and very just so endearing and very real. And then Sokka says, so you're a princess, huh? You know, back in my tribe, I'm kind of like a prince myself. And Katara says, ha, prince of what? And yeah, I, it's he's not wrong. You know, he's the chief's son. So it's it's true. But, you know, it's still it's the Southern Water Tribe. So really, Katara, who cares? help a brother out. <laughs> I know. Yeah, also, yeah. yeah, also, I was, say, I was, I was also going to say that. Like, while Sokka is a great wingman for Katara, always out there just poking and prodding her about all these boys and, you know, helping Aang out, even though he didn't really know that he was helping Aang out with Katara. Katara is just a massive cock block for Sokka. <laughs> like, she's just uh, not, has no chill. Also, I just thought this was kind of funny because after Sokka's like, yeah, I don't know, like, I don't know. He says some comeback and Katara says, my apologies, Prince Sokka. (laughs) (laughs) Or like uh, my prince or something. Yeah, so I thought it was a funny Katara moment. You know, most of the times she gets a bad rap for being not funny at all, but she has her moments, you know. And then Sokka asks Yue out by saying, I'm thinking maybe we could do an activity together. And she's like, what? (laughs) Um, and Katara goes, very smooth. And then Arnuk introduces Master Paku to his new student, the Avatar. And Paku says, just because you're destined to save the world, don't expect any special treatment. 
Aang says, my friend and I can't wait to start training with you after we relax for a couple days. And I was just like, oh my god, Aang. You need yeah, to they? have some sense of urgency. Weren't they just flying for two days straight because they wanted to find another water tribe? Now Aang just wants to relax. Yeah, I know. But it is just, it's pretty, you know, nice. Yeah. Can't blame him, you know? Yeah. It's like the greatest city. Well, no. Actually, yeah. It's better than Bossing Say, I would think. Yeah, but Paku rejects him and says, no, see you at sunrise. So Aang doesn't get his little vacation. The next scene is Zuko sulking in his room. And Iroh says, there's a problem. And Zhao walks in. And... My boy is back. It's been so long since we've seen Zuko. So it's pretty exciting. It was at this point in the episode where I got really big red-blue vibes. Almost like comically so because all the Fire Nation people wear red and all the War Nation people wear blue. It, it almost reminds me of like Pokemon where literally everyone on Team Aqua is wearing like blue. Everyone on <laughs> Team, Mag- Team Magma, is that right? I think so. From uh, th- third gen is wearing red. It's... Very strong Kyogre versus Groudon vibes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the the differences or the comparison between the two is just so, so blatant. Which is fine. But yeah, anyways, Zhao says, I'm taking your crew. I've recruited them for a little expedition to the North Pole. And Zhao says, sorry you won't be there to watch me capture the Avatar. And then he walks over to the pair of dual swords that are hanging on Zuko's wall. And his eyes just go really wide. And then he has flashbacks to the blue spirit. And I don't know. Are they really that recognizable? Or, you know, like, were they really uncommon? And I guess they were. But it's pretty immediate that, like, how quick, you know, he picks up on this stuff. So... Yeah, I, th- I think they are a pretty rare uh, weapon that people use. So, and Zuko fits the build, you know. That's true. Yeah. Eagle eyes, this man. Uh, so, um, Zhao reaches for one of the blades and Zuko's eyes get super wide. And Zhao says, I didn't know you were skilled with broadswords, Prince Zuko. And Zuko says, I'm not. They're antiques, just decorative. Smart thinking on Zuko's part, I think. Just very quick comebacks. And then Zhao asks Iroh if he's heard of the blue spirit and says, I have a feeling justice will catch up with him soon. Um, And then Zhao says to Iroh that the offer to join his mission still stands. So the next morning, we have uh, the day where Aang is going to start training with Paku. And the first thing I noticed was that the lighting here is done really well. Because as we know, this is sunrise. But, you know, it's like really reflected in the lighting of the scene. It's just slightly paler warmer and just hazier in general it's like overexposed yeah 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 it's a good way of putting it um so i really think they nailed the sunrise vibes and again we have a really stark contrast between the night which we saw on zuko's ship and the like early morning here um and then so katara says i waited for this day my whole life i finally get to learn from a real waterbending master and then paku upon realizing that Katara's a girl, says he won't teach her because it is forbidden for a woman to learn waterbending in the Northern Water Tribe. And then Paku says, these are just the rules. And Katara says, well, your rules stink. And Aang says, yeah, they're not fair. Um, (laughs) And Aang says, if you won't teach Katara, then I won't learn from you. And yeah, I thought this is just kind of big of Aang to say this. And it made me ship Katang, first of all, because... I think I think Aang is really just sticking up for 
I mean, just not even like Katang, but just for his friend, you know, and just being like a really, I don't know, principled person uh, or, or loyal friend, a loyal person. And I just really love that he did that, even though I guess it's like dumb because he needs to learn water bending, but also he can learn from other people. So that's fine. Yeah, I agree. I too thought that was a good moment of Aang being a really good friend. Yeah, so then they walk away and Katara realizes that, you know, Aang has to learn from Paku and Katara says, Aang didn't mean that. And then she says to Aang, you can't risk your training for me. You have to learn from Master Paku, even if he is a big jerk. And then Aang agrees, like a good little boy that he is. And then Paku says, let's get started and just hits Aang in the back with a bunch of water. (laughs) So He like really sucks. (laughs) I hate him. So the next scene is Sokka and Yue, and Yue is riding in her gondola, and Sokka runs to catch up to her on the sidewalk and says, you know, that was quite a picnic, and he follows that by saying, but it wasn't as much fun after you left, and then they both blush. Mm. Yeah, and the Four Seasons leitmotif starts playing here. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know. I didn't. I definitely didn't realize that at all until I started reading um, and doing some research, but... You know, it's that good. It's just like subconscious. So then Sokka says, so I'm still hoping we see more of each other. And Yue says, do an activity, you mean? And Sokka says, yes, at a place for some time. (laughs) And then Yue says, I'd love to. I'll meet you on that bridge tonight. And I just thought, yes, girl, you you go get it. Go go for go after what you want. We got, you know, we got a modern girl here, even though she's <laughs> willing to, like, marry this rando guy for her, for her country or tribe. Yeah, so the next scene is Katara at the healing center. So Katara reluctantly goes to learn healing from Yagoda. And, yeah, she's super glum about it. Um, And I thought this was just a little odd because she just learned two episodes ago that she could heal and so i thought even though she obviously wants to fight more than she wants to learn how to heal she should at least be a little excited so but i get it i get it she was just like harshly rejected by this master poop head so then after the healing lesson katara thanks yugoda for the lesson and yugoda says so who's the lucky boy yeah i found this like or rather i had this pretty horrible realization that holy shit, like, everyone in the village must think she's engaged at 12 years old, and they're all okay with it. No one has reacted strangely. Um, So I think, like, the world building is really cool, but also has, like, a really creepy undertone to it. Mm. Child marriage is real. Well, I think Katara's 14. But still, yeah. But I, it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it any better for sure. But, Yeah. <laughs> And then Katara is really confused and Yagoda says, your betrothal necklace, you're getting married, right? And Katara says, oh, like, no. And she says, my grandmother gave my mother this necklace and my mother passed it down to me. And then Yagoda says, I recognize this carving. I don't know why I didn't realize sooner. You're the spitting image of Kana. And then, gas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just, I feel like the stories surrounding this necklace just get deeper and deeper like who knew that so much meaning could be injected into this little object you know yeah and then Yagoda says your grandmother had an arranged marriage with a young waterbender he carved that necklace for her and then Katara asks why she left um and Yagoda says she doesn't know and says she left without saying goodbye sad so the next scene is 
Zuko and Iroh again and Iroh asks if Zuko wants to go for a walk and Zuko just decides he wants to stay in his room on his ship because uh, he's very upset. Yeah, and Iroh tells Zuko that the other members of the crew have joined with Zhao and Zuko's like, good riddance to those traitors. And I thought that was just a funny comment, like classic Zuko, but after all they've been through, like including the storm episode, you know, Zuko can't even cut them some slack. Yeah, it's not like they had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Iroh is singing his song as he leaves, but in the corner of the shot, we see the iguana parrot flying in the background towards the ship. Yeah, and in a previous scene, we saw Zhao cut a deal with the pirates. So now we see the pirates sneaking onto the ship and bringing up barrels of blasting jelly, but they make a noise and Zuko gets suspicious. So he goes out and goes searching the ship, and the pirates light up the blasting jelly and then Zuko sees the iguana parrot just a split second before he realizes that he's completely screwed and the ship blows up and oh my god this shot of the ship going up in flames is so much more disturbing and scary than I like could have imagined from (laughs) this show I feel like it's it's just super disastrous and yeah it's like really really big explosion and sadly uncle iroh sees the explosion and runs back and he's like zuko and like runs back and it's really sad and i'm gonna cry yeah iroh is standing in front of the flaming ship and he's kind of a silhouette in front of it like a black Mm -hmm. silhouette and Mm -hmm. kind of reminds me of the shot where he's in front of bossing say and there's like huge fire everywhere Mm -hmm. but also like harkens back to when he lost his son Luten. Oh, <laughs> I'm actually gonna cry. Yeah, that scene was really, really crazy. But then it's juxtaposed with date night. <laughs> <laughs> Yue and Sokka are having their first date, um, and Sokka made Yue a little like ugly fish carving. Um, but I thought this was a goof because we saw last episode he was carving this really nice lion head with his knife um so now he's just clumsy because it's cute maybe he's playing dumb you know like playing down his skill anyways Yue says I'm sorry I made a mistake I shouldn't have asked you to come here and she just runs off and Sokka throws his carving away in frustration so yeah pretty much the worst first day ever I think (laughs) so then the gang is just hanging out in the next scene and Katara asks Sokka how warrior training is going and he just gets really frustrated and he says, you know, I'm just, it's, it's Princess Yue. One minute she wants to go out with me and the next she's telling me to get lost. And then Sokka asks how waterbending training is going and Aang says, Master Poophead won't teach her because she's a girl. Yeah, and then Sokka comes up with another brilliant idea and he tells him that Aang can just teach Katara what he learns. Just another thing I thought about this scene is like, it's so cute. You know, they're they're all just lying on their they're all just laying on their sleeping bags and they're just they're just talking about, you know, just what how was your day? I feel like yeah. we don't see any light scenes like that between the three of them very often. Yeah, it just made me feel like get a really strong sense of their friendship. So then Aang and Katara do decide to secretly train waterbending at night, uh, but Paku catches them basically immediately. It's like he was looking for them and he knew (laughs) that they were going to do this. And Paku says, you have disrespected me, my teachings, and my entire culture. You are no longer welcome as my student. Oh, yeah. And Uh he's so scary. He like turns the water into a bunch of icicles around him. 
Yeah. Hair is all like flaming in the wild. Wind. Yeah. Yeah. So scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely pretty intimidating there. So, so the next day, Katara asks Arnuk to force Master Paku to take Aang back as his student, and he's. And the Arnuk says, I suspect he might change his mind if you swallow your pride and apologize to him. And Paku says, I'm waiting, little girl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Katara rightfully gets very angry and says, no, no way am I apologizing to a sour old man like you. And I thought, you know, he's old man number something, but he's sour old man number one. (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely by far the worst old man so far. He does. He does get better, but... So yeah, then we see uh, the first sign of how powerful Katara actually is as a waterbender. Uh, She becomes so angry that her anger manifests itself in this really violent waterbending that breaks these two pots on opposite sides of the room. And of course, we've seen, um, you know, strong bending as a manifestation of emotions in Zuko. But this is the first time we really see how powerful Katara is when she gets angry. Well, there's the first episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a good point. <laughs> and that was before she even learned anything, too. So she's, like, always had it in her. You're right. She breaks the vases, and uh, I just thought, oh, she's bending water she can't see. <laughs> but I also guess the first episode she's bending water she can't see because her back is towards the iceberg. So, yeah. I mean, whatever. Bending water you can't see is not a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> or that being a cool, a cool skill is not real because anyone can do it, clearly. And then she says, I'll be outside if you're man enough to fight me, which is words are thrown. Yeah, seriously. Um, I just I thought, ooh, girl, you're about to get wrecked. <laughs> it's not it's not looking good. Um, but yeah, she's clearly just really mad. Yeah. And then it cuts to Iroh and Zhao. Zhao is pouring a cup of hot leaf juice for <laughs> Iroh. So clearly he knows his audience very well here. I think he would normally would not do this mm-hmm. he's very mm-hmm. calcula- calculating and he says i'm devastated to hear about prince zuko just devastated oh, you know zao is so bad like oh, i hate him so much so bad i think this is really just there's no redemption possible for zao here <laughs> yeah. yeah and he gets worse like in the next episode so and then Iroh's like, the Fire Lord will not be pleased when he learns who is responsible. Um, and Iroh's clearly being super sneaky here. Oh, and then Zhao asks, who do you think is responsible? And Iroh says, the pirates. Uh, we had a run-in with them a while back. They wanted revenge. And then Zhao smirks and sips on his tea. And, you know, Zhao doesn't have a great poker face here. He clearly smiles. And it, it's, I mean, you could say he's hiding it behind his cup of tea, but he smiles before he lifts up the cup of tea to his mouth so you know he's i feel like the so devastated was also just not really well delivered so iroh is a much better actor here than zhao is by far and then iroh agrees to serve as zhao's general so then we get to the fight scene yay so Sokka says are you crazy Katara you're not gonna win this fight and Aang says you don't have to do this for me I can find another teacher and Katara says I'm not doing it for you someone needs to slap some sense into that guy I feel like a lot of times Katara actually does do what she wants to do but she kind of just says like oh it's for Aang or oh like she also wants to go to the North Pole to learn water battling this whole time too right so I feel like 
she like kind of hides it behind like wanting to do things for other people sometimes but here it like finally comes out that she's like oh this was for me you know like i want to do this and like it's cool to see that then master paku comes outside and she says so you decide to show up and you know master after some goading master paku walks past her and he says go back to the healing huts with the other women where you belong like oh shit yeah oh yeah honestly i just thought at that point first he got he's just gotten so much worse and he's just baiting her at this point yeah like honestly he just i think she is so much of a joke to him like he is such a misogynist that he can't even like fathom the fact you know like take any of her words seriously i mean first because she's a girl but also she's a kid and yeah i don't know it's just like all this whole time it's been a big joke to him like it's so funny that katara is so mad then katara whips him which is the water whip from the scroll which is pretty Mm -hmm. cool um Mm -hmm. and he says fine you want to learn to fight so badly study closely damn he's pretty witty like on the spot so then we start seeing the showdown. So one of the things Paku does is surround both of he surrounds both of them in a circle of water, but Katara breaks free from that. And then he creates this wave and sends it at Katara, but she freezes her feet in place and bends it away. And she goes, "You can't knock me down." Yeah, I feel like it's a pretty good metaphor of for Katara in general, like Katara in this fight and Katara in general. I mean, she's just super scrappy. Um, and this by fight especially and um, so stubborn that, you know, she's she's so stubborn. She doesn't let anyone um, knock her down. And then everyone cheers. Just all these kids, you know, everyone loves an underdog. Um, and then at one point she summons this block of ice from the from a fountain and starts shooting thin rounds of it at Paku, which is so awesome. Yep. And then. She gets knocked down again, but she takes like a really deep breath. It's like a close-up shot, and she stands up so fast, like, like in in a millisecond. <laughs> um, and yeah, again, just can't knock her down. She's so she's just so powerful um, that she just keeps persevering. And then at one point, her necklace falls off, and Paku at this point has trapped Katara in a bunch of tall shards of ice, and says, "This fight is over." Um, but then Paku sees a necklace and says this is my necklace. And he says, I made this 60 years ago for the love of my life, for Kana. And just right as he says that, and as he has this realization, the ice around Katara just melts away. Um, So again, you see kind of water bending as, or bending in general as a function of emotion. And Katara says, my grand-grand was supposed to marry you? Ah! (laughs) 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 What a twist! I mean, I maybe some people saw it coming from Yagoda's comments, but crazy. But also a little plot hole is, you know, if she's supposedly the spitting image of Kana, how could he not recognize the love of his life, yeah. who's he, who he's been yearning for all these years? But <laughs> I guess whatever. And then the next scene is Iroh and Zuko. And Iroh, you know, walks by this Fire Nation soldier and says, our plan is working perfectly. Zhao doesn't suspect a thing. And I'm dumb. I thought that Zuko had just run away on his own or something uh, and was going to... I thought so too, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. That's how I remembered it. But yeah, it's not clear that like Zuko and Iroh had met up after the explosion. Yeah. I mean, he does run off on his own in the next episode. So I think that's probably why. But yeah, I, I was pretty shocked by this too. I was like, oh, of course they're in on it together, you know? 
But yeah, Zuko is disguised as a soldier, removes his mask, and we see how badly he's beat up from this accident or this assassination attempt. And he says, you didn't have to do this. And Ira says, no nephew of mine is going to stow away on a ship without some backup. And I think this is one of the bigger moments where we realize Iroh is very cunning and um, very smart. Um, and he says, stay hidden until we get to the North Pole and the Avatar will be yours. Ooh. Um, so yeah, then we get back to Paku and his story and we get, you know, everything is revealed. He says, I carved this necklace for your grandmother when we got engaged. I loved her. And Katara says, but she didn't love you, did she? It was an arranged marriage. Ouch. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> arranged marriages can be love marriages too. Anyways, um, and Yue and Sokka are looking on as they're having this conversation and Yue starts to tear up. Um, and then Katara says, Grand Grand wouldn't let your tribe's stupid customs run her life. That's why she left. And I just thought, how does she know this? Uh, I guess she's just inferring, kind of. But also, yeah, that's true. That's not really clear. Um, and then Yue just starts sobbing and she runs off. And Aang turns to Sokka and says, go get her. And uh, I think the I feel like the friendship in this episode is like killing me. Uh-huh. Like it's too much for me. <laughs> uh, it's very sweet. Yeah, and the whole time Yue's father is like standing in the back, <laughs> acting a little incredulous as to what just happened. Then Sokka says, "I just want you to know you you are beautiful, and I never thought you would notice a guy like me." Which is like, wow, Sokka just completely won eighty. That was very smooth. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> It's like painfully obvious that the marriage that Yue is in is an arranged marriage. Sokka's also making my heart melt. I feel like there's just so many warm, lovely things happening. Yeah, but then Yue says, no, you don't understand. And Sokka says, I do understand. You're a princess and I'm just a southern peasant. And Sokka turns to leave and Yue kisses him. Wow. (laughs) First kiss for Sokka. Uh, and yeah, Sokka's like, wait, now I'm really confused. Happy, but Wait, confused. that's not true. What? Suki kissed him. On the cheek. Yeah, it's a kiss. No, it's not. <laughs> this, this is the first kiss. This is, yeah. this is for real Cs. Also, yeah. But also, both of them kissed him. He didn't even kiss them. Suki made the, made the first move. Yue made the first move. Hey, but Sokka's made a lot of moves too this episode. Sokka, okay. <laughs> Anyways, Yue says, I do like you a lot, but we can't be together. And not for the reason you think. It's because I'm engaged. And she reveals her betrothal necklace and runs off. Bruh, why does she kiss him in the first place? Girl, so many, you're just torturing this guy. Yeah, so many mixed signals. It's, it's tough, it's tough. Fun fact, or goof potentially is that in the at the end of the shot we can see a crescent moon but a few days later well so this is what some people have said um they say it's a goof because a few days later in the finale the waterbenders get additional strength from a full moon but i also don't know if it's a full Mm. a few days or if it's kind of longer because you know they do train for a while and i think i think the idea i had was that they train for a while uh, between this episode and the next one, but who knows? So the next morning, Aang is training with Paku, where they've always been training, and then pa- Aang's a little frustrated, and Paku says, "Not bad. 
keep practicing and you'll get it by my age. So this this guy <laughs> clearly has the jokes. Yeah, yeah. He's a softy underneath. Yeah, and then Katara runs up out of breath and Paki says, what do you think you're doing? It's past sunrise. You're late. Uh, so, you know, a little twisty twist there. Uh, yay, he's teaching Katara now. So I guess the moral of the story is family over tribal customs, I guess. Paku doesn't change his mind about teaching Katara because he respects women anymore. It's because she is related to the love of his life. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah, I... So... Yeah, that, there's always something that like bothered me a little bit was like he only softens because like of the chance encounter with the necklace. Like if he didn't see the necklace, nothing would have changed. But I do think that seeing Katara like kind of freed him up a little bit. Like I feel like his character is that like he was this like great waterbender. He was like so good. But then he lost the love of his life and he's like been bitter ever since. And I think that resent like that resentment and bitterness is partially manifested in this like misogyny or however you his whole superiority thing but i feel like that kind of softens once he like has this encounter with Katara and he realizes like it's it's um kana's granddaughter you know yeah that's a good point uh if we are to psychoanalyze him you know maybe the reason why he is so you know kind of misogynistic and adheres so strictly to these customs is because because he's like angry that you know or not angry but like really uh, brokenhearted that you know she left and you know like oh this is so wrong like she just left like yeah, this is yeah. these are the customs and if we like stick to them then everything will be fine like he feels he's been wronged by a woman right yeah so yeah, yeah. he's like why would i teach women how to water bend like yeah kind of kind of makes sense yeah so. hmm, but he okay. definitely like softens from this point on i mean he teaches Katara and then he uh, like joins the White Lotus next time we see him, right? So, And he marries, he actually does marry Kana in the end. Well, we don't know that he isn't already part of the White Lotus. So maybe the White Lotus That's true. is sexist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, maybe. It is an elite old society and most old societies are all men. Yeah, I thought the ending was a little unsatisfying too, but I think if we read Paku in a way such that his resentment uh of women and like his sticking to the traditions is like a direct result of kana leaving then like i guess it makes a little more sense yeah so the final scene is uh we see zhao's fleet setting a course for the northern water tribe and he has just dozens and dozens of ships um dun 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 second episode in a row with an ominous ending uh, that was something yeah. that was of note from last episode is that most of the episodes end on a light note with the peace playing, you know, or Avatar love. But yeah, this one is pretty scary and it's really coming down to the wire. And that concludes this episode. So let's do our ratings. All right. So I'm going to give this episode a nine. Um, things are really heating up. I just, this episode is good on like so many levels. I feel like, first of all, there were, it feels like a lot of plot twists in the episode with Katara's necklace and like her grandmother being someone and then grandmother being Paku's love. That was great. We get Zuko and Iroh back finally, which is great to see them. And like Zuko and Iroh's banter with Zhao is always fun. And then there are arcs for like, I mean, Sokka and Katara in this episode. And also the fight scene is awesome. So 
lots uh, lots of good maybe the one thing that bothers me a little bit is like paku seeing the necklace and that being the only reason he uh gets better but overall like really good episode i think i give this a nine there's a lot of really great scenes in this zhao feels like he's the most threatening he ever is because he's very patient at the same time we see iroh dealing with the supposed death of his nephew katara kind of comes into her own and literally fights the patriarchy the only things that i found a little problematic were i agree with you joyce when now all of a sudden healing is kind of weird and she doesn't want she reluctantly does it the other thing i find a little problematic is how quickly she becomes good at waterbending just last episode she's just having trouble flipping over one of the tanks that she's fighting and now all of a sudden she's like almost toe-to-toe with this waterbending master she gets really good really quick and we don't really see any reason for that but other than to drive the plot which i guess in and of itself is a good thing but so for those reasons it's a nine and not a ten but still fantastic episode all around I also gave it a nine. Second episode, we're wow. on a two episode streak, guys. Yeah, I just think they find, you know, it's so exciting that they finally make it to the Northern Water Tribe. It is extremely satisfying um, and it's like totally worth the wait. Um, I love the Team Avatar friendship going on in this episode. They just like really have each other's backs. Um, I forgot to mention just, you know, I like the moment where katara takes off her winter coat and just like throws it at sokka when sokka is like oh you know are you sure you can do this and yeah it's just like i think they all really support each other in this one you know katara stands up for what she believes in yue and sokka is like the beginning of a very very dramatic story and yeah zhao's villainy is really good uh here you're right justin about how he just becomes he actually becomes a real threat in this one um you know, perhaps he learned from the deserter episode that patience. Um, and yeah, I just thought like the tension, I think the tension between Zuko and Zhao is like really good. Um, I think the continuity is awesome. We get the pirates back. We, you know, blue sp- have the blue spirit reference and the necklace just gets 10 times more important than it already was. Paku change of heart at the end was a little off, I think. The only reason I probably didn't give it a 10 is because they're just better episodes still that deserve the 10 but honestly it's just it's a great episode cool so that concludes this episode of the podcast thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed our discussion of the waterbending master as always we release on what's up on wednesdays so we'll see you next time for our discussion of the season one finale the siege of the north in a two-in-one season one finale special uh so it'll be a little bit longer of an episode but we want to just Get all the good stuff in. If you want to stay up to date with when we release or submit thoughts or questions, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, be sure to hit us with a five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Flamio, Hotman. Burp, burp.